Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, we made it. The NFL schedule release has come and gone recording here Thursday night, May 12th. I'm actually in Milwaukee pinch hitting for Boston Herald's uh, Celtics coverage game six Celtics bucks on Friday. And I am freaking exhausted because I got here uh, 10 AM on a flight from Boston. And I can't tell you anything about Milwaukee from the last 10, 12 hours, except for there's a very smudged window here in the ninth floor of the Fairfield Inn downtown. But beyond those smudges, the city looks very nice. And the Patriots schedule on the other hand, Looks kind of brutal. Uh, was able to unearth a couple of these games. They're going to open with Miami. They're playing at Las Vegas in week 15 on Sunday night football. Of course, the schedule gets released at eight o'clock anyway, because look, at this point, the schedule release is just a made for TV event. You even had Titans offensive tackle Taylor Lewan speaking for probably at least half of the players association saying, we don't care about the TV part. Just let us know when we're playing. And I think there's some truth to that, right? Because, you know, it doesn't matter. Just, just, Give it to us all at once. But the league drums this up, makes an event, much like the combine and the draft that we look forward to for weeks and sometimes months. And it's it's very made for TV. Not like the combine, which somehow has become the underwear Olympics that's on ABC and in primetime for scouts that now don't really care about 40-yard dashes as we're learning more about how teams approach analytics. But there's something to be said for the schedule is important in which we knew the opponents, the new locations of these games. It's kind of like knowing the ingredients in a recipe, right? Because that's what matters, what's going into whatever you're making. But the order in which you put that all together also is kind of important. Take, for example, that game against Miami in the opener. Kind of sucks if you're the Patriots. It is going to be scalding hot down there. You have a new head coach with a new offense that could spring almost anything on you. And not just anything, but anything through uh, Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell, or now Cedric Wilson, the receiving court down in Miami against the Patriots secondary that, look, if you can name all five starters right now for week one, congrats, that's something I can't do. But on the other side, it matters that that game in Las Vegas in December is later because at that point, Josh McDaniels and his staff, who knows you better than anyone in the league, that advantage he has wanes a little bit, right, in December because he would have been ready for an opener, knows exactly how you're going to attack him. But you don't know how he's going to deploy Darren Waller and his offense or change things up for Derek Carr or Hunter Renfro, who of course is going to be like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman before him. But you get the point. The Patriots will have film on the Raiders by the time they go to Vegas on December 18th. Whereas in September, McDaniels holds all the cards. So the order of these games matter. That's what makes it fun. As for the Patriots, um, they're not going to have a whole lot of fun at the start 
and at the end of this. And I get into the schedule of Bob Sosa, if you don't know, Patriots radio broadcaster since 2014. Bob does a great job. We go through all the games, the different matchups, things to look for. But if you really want to hit fast forward, this episode I found uh, fun at the back end, kind of like we had with Ted Johnson a couple of weeks ago, because you can just get into our top three, bottom two in terms of games we're most looking forward to, or least in this case, spoiler alert, the Jets, you make our list. And then stories from Bob about traveling and the team playing. Because as I say in the podcast, very common question you get when you work in sports journalism to someone who doesn't understand how sports works, which honestly sometimes is refreshing. The first or second question is, do you, do you travel with the team? And you kind of sound like a jerk being, well, actually, I don't travel with the team, but I do travel to all the games and all the places they go. But that's the truth. I'm flying Delta. Bob is not. Bob is on the team plane, and that's great. So I thought it would be fun to ask him, what's it like? Who's he next to? Where's Bill? Where are the players? How does that dynamic work? Um, and it was kind of weirdly militaristic, which, again, if you think about it, Patriots makes a little bit of sense. But anyway, Bob takes you inside the team plane, and then we answer some mailback questions at the end. So that's what we're doing here. Uh, as far as what we're doing moving forward, very excited for our upcoming guests where we're going to be doing instant impact rookies. We'll have a inter-squad team draft. If you're building two teams out from the Patriots roster, how would those look like? Can you tell we're getting into the offseason content? Um, but it's going to be fun. We're going to continue building. And again, if you like what you're listening here, take, take two seconds. You're taking over an hour perhaps to listen to these episodes just to hit five stars on Apple or Spotify or leave a review. And if you want to leave a four or three, by me, just explain why in the comments, seriously, because that feedback helps us get bigger and better. Now, your wallet can get bigger and better with Bet Online AG. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs, which are sky high right now NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB regular season, which unfortunately continues on despite the Red Sox. And you can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season futures. Hello, Patriots, and their schedule. And don't forget, of course, that. Major League Baseball is going to go on all the way through September. So you can watch the Red Sox and decide when you think they're going to turn around and make a little bit of money off it because Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker game. So it's super easy to get started. You've heard me say this before, it's still true. Head to the website today or use your mobile device and join with our promo code CLNS50. That is CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit because Bet Online is where the game starts. Now, this podcast starts. Bob Sosi, the Patriots Radio Network. Now. Patriots play-by-play broadcaster Bob Sosi in the house to break down the Patriots schedule. And I would argue this schedule matters as much to Bob as anyone in the organization because you were going to be on the team playing. You're going to be at these games, home and away. Your family's not going to see you. And uh, before we get into that, Bob, I just have to say, I'm going to do my best here understanding that of all the episodes I've done so far, I am going to sound the worst today next to you professional broadcaster enunciating clearly bringing the vocab just all the understanding and the research because that's what you do it's you know you're preparing monday through saturday like the guys in the locker room and then bringing it on sunday and i know you're bringing it here on pat's interference so i'm just i'm just trying to tread water is what i'm saying andrew you're building up the expectations and putting a lot of pressure on me now uh, i have to go back to my voice training, voice diction exercises. I, I should have been more diligent before we got started on that. I hope I, hope I don't disappoint you. Well, I hear the enunciation already. Diligent expectations, <laughs> which most people just kind of gloss over those T's, but we're not here for language lessons. Um, though it does remind me, you came on as I, I started this with Mike Giardi in my debut episode. You came on my old podcast, and I remember we talked for over an hour. Again, super gracious to have you on. We were in the 98.5 studios, 
But the one thing I really remember was just getting you to do a sales call with me because you had told a story about being a broadcaster for a minor league team. And that was kind of the side hustle, right? You had to sell billboards in the outfield. So no promises. We won't do that again. Um, I think I was what Callahan lawn mowing is what I was trying to get you to sell me on. You got it. Yeah. I think I might've gotten you in a program ad uh, an outfield billboard yes. might have been a little too expensive. A little yeah, too yeah. We're, we're not doing too well here at Callahan lawn mowing anymore, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So the Patriots, uh, we have the full schedule. I was able to tease out and report some of these games that are coming out. They're going to start in Miami. We're going to go chronologically here all the way until they end at Buffalo, January 7th or 8th. But zooming out, when you look at this full slate, first thing that grabs your attention is what? Well, I'm, I look at the beginning of the schedule and the end of the schedule. And I think about last year's start, as difficult as it was for the past, particularly at home, and then how they struggled down the stretch with that one and four finish, including the playoff game. And I look at it on the surface, the first four and the last four. And the first impression is it's going to be very difficult to avoid a similar start and a similar finish for this team, you know, particularly with I think the improvements that some of those teams like Miami, which swept the Patriots a year ago and, and, you know, Pittsburgh, of course, with the huge question mark being the quarterback play. Uh, But when you look at the first four at Miami, at Pittsburgh versus the Ravens versus uh, at Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, and then the last four uh, at Vegas against Cincinnati and Joe Burrow against the Dolphins. Again, they've been such a tough matchup problem for the Patriots, albeit now without Brian Flores as the head coach. And then at Buffalo to wrap up the regular season. And the Patriots, of course, will go into that series this year, trying to force the Bills to punt, which they did not do in the last two meetings a year ago. That might be a victory unto itself, right? You get one punt, you lose 40 to 10. Okay, still progress from 47 to 17 last year. Uh, the only game in NFL playoff history where a team did not end a drive in a non-score, uh, which is crazy considering that Bill Belichick's defense, but that's how low they sunk because you talk about that one and four finish a year ago. I think when I zoom out, I said last year, I don't know what show it was. It was Sports Sunday or, or Boston Sports Night, something on NBC, that the two Buffalo games, which were both in December, were going to decide that whole season. Everyone was focused on Brady's return, rightfully so, right? So, you know, week four and all the anticipation, and it lived up to the hype. But they win that game at Buffalo to keep themselves in contention, number one seed, and then start to slide and losing the second one, which was really the de facto division championship game. And I'm not here to, you know, retread all that old history as much as we just did. I'm here to say, I don't think that's the case this year, actually, even though they get Buffalo in week 13, you're looking at December 1st, and then Buffalo, as I mentioned, the regular season finale in Orchard Park, January 7th or 8th, because Buffalo is so ahead of them in my mind that the games that matter more are Miami. Those are the games where the Patriots need to hit a lot of singles and doubles with this schedule before they go swing it for home runs against Buffalo. And you look at the opener last year with Miami, that's a one-point loss and a fumble inside the 20-yard line from Damian Harris. That is a division win and an AFC win that might have flipped the division when you look ahead to how things finished, where you don't need to decide the AFC East Week 16 against Buffalo, who's now definitely a better team. And I think besides the Miami game in the opener, Week 17 at home, New Year's Day, that I think is where their postseason hopes, however high, might be made or broken. Yeah, and I think, you know, the donut hole in this schedule is similar to last year. I think they even if they struggle at the outset, they have an opportunity to get right with Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, the Jets, Indianapolis at home going into the bye, and then a rematch with the Jets in week 11 before they go to Minneapolis to play the Vikings uh, on Thanksgiving Thursday. Uh, To your point, 
about last year. I think it's not only, you know, the, the mishap late in the Miami game, but I think I would contend that to lose to the saints, the way they did mm. shortly thereafter, Jameis Winston, at quarterback and the a touchdown pass where he was falling down in the grasp of a defender and, and through one of those, Oh no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Passes into the end zone, but also not being able to stop the saints and get the ball back late in that game. That's a loss that when you look back at the saints season, it, to me, it's a bad loss for the Patriots. Again, they were playing with the rookie quarterback. It's third game is under a lot of pressure against a good defense at the time, but they couldn't run the ball on the saints at all. And when I look back at the schedule last year, you know, that's one of those games that early on, you know, was a game that they lost that we thought, well, they probably should lose that. But by the end of the season, when they were a playoff caliber team, you look back and say that that Saints team wasn't very good that they lost to at home. And especially given the circumstances under which they lost it. Yeah. And that's a funny part of the schedule, right? Is we feel so much certainty in the off season because you have nothing better to do. So self-included, I am the leader of the pack driver of this bandwagon of just make these assumptions and sink deeper into them in the off season as you wait for more football. And then the football comes and reminds you and smacks you over the head going, you know, nothing, which is what I was screaming last year, week two, when you'll remember they lose to the dolphins, then have to go play the jets and everyone's going, is this a must-win game? I'm going, are you kidding me? If we were late April, early May in the baseball season, now this hurts a little bit more because the Red Sox are in real trouble, you would never say there's any must-win series there or in the NBA in late November, early December. Those are the same marks that we were in week two of last season. But it speaks to the idea that we didn't know about the Saints. Uh, you didn't know how much that Dolphins loss would hurt. And so I would just say that, zooming out, the Patriots, according to the opponent's records from last year, have about a middle-of-the-road schedule. And you're going to hear that a lot in the ensuing days and weeks as we dissect the schedule. That is not a predictive or useful measure. The measure you want to look at is they have the sixth toughest or tenth, seventh or tenth. See, this is where I'm already stumbling and just intimidated by professional broadcaster Bob Sosi. They have a difficult schedule in the top 10 somewhere based on Vegas projected win totals, because that's more predictive and useful and takes into account everything that happened in the offseason, which gets back to what I was talking about, the singles and doubles. The game you mentioned, Detroit. Cleveland there in week six, Miami in week one. They have to connect on those because it's a very difficult schedule, partly because you're playing good teams. It's also nine road games. And that finish, as we discussed, is brutal. But anything, I've hit on Miami already. That's the opener. Week two at Pittsburgh versus Baltimore at Green Bay. What gets your attention or your mind stirring there? Well, you know, on, on the surface, again, top to bottom, going into it, you talked about how important the schedule is to me as a broadcaster. <laughs> it's a family man. So there's, there's several things. First of all, I look at where are the primetime games? Uh, so I look at this year, for example, late in the year, they have two primetime games back to back, both out West at Arizona on a Monday night at Las Vegas uh, the following Sunday night. And to me, that suggests, okay, just be, be prepared for a long stay away from the, from the homestead out in uh, Glendale and Vegas, which, you know, those are two places that aren't bad to say, you know, aren't exactly, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't really present uh, a difficult situation for me to embrace uh, being uh, in Arizona or, or Nevada, uh, Vegas come December. And you know what, the, the kids are going to have exams. So yeah, you, would, you, exactly. you would love to bring them, Bob. You just Absolutely. can't do it. Yes. They have to study. They have to stay home. You need to just grind as much as you do in the sunshine of Arizona and Vegas. And see, just the thought of it is, uh, now I'm stumbling and, and struggling <laughs> as I search for my words. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I haven't hit the strip yet. Uh, but then, you know, Minnesota, Thanksgiving. Uh, for the first nine years of my experience calling the Patriots, 
we have been able to stay at home for the holidays. We haven't played on Thanksgiving. We haven't been involved in one of those Christmas games. Well, this year, uh, thanks to your, your colleague at the Boston Herald, I learned initially that the Patriots were playing at Minnesota. Uh, according to Karen Gregan's initial report, uh, that was uh, the, the breaking news item for me, that uh, the Patriots were going to Minnesota on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So we prepare for a holiday away from home. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, they're playing at home, and it's an early game, uh, but a great matchup for Christmas Eve against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champs. I think it just says probably what you're looking at Thanksgiving. You mentioned Christmas Eve, New Year's Day. We are all going to have the tamest holidays that we've had in a long time. You can't drink too much. You can't see too much family. You're going to be at home. You're going to be at the games and then you're going to be back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we can make up for it on the back end, though. So yes. hopefully, a lot of, you know, for Patriot fans and Patriot broadcasters, there are a lot of victory toasts uh, to uh, to celebrate uh, yeah. after after the fact. All right. So before we get to the holidays, I mentioned kind of week week one through week four. Let's take this as much as we can kind of in quarters. I look at this and go, if they can go two and two over the stretch again at Miami, at Pittsburgh, home versus Baltimore, then turn the page to October 2nd at Green Bay. That's a win. That's three road games. You know, four teams that envision themselves as making the playoffs. I would say all of them probably won't. Likely, most likely Miami or Pittsburgh. But road tests early on, you're learning about yourselves. What do you see as most important about that first quarter of the schedule? Well, I think, you know, the, the first game, because it's a divisional game, once again. And when you talk about the importance, I think also setting a tone and, and, and saying to the Dolphins, who are seemingly an ascending team with a new coach, you know, and, Enough. Patriots have lost every game to a Tungo Vailoa has started against them. And now he's going to have an offense bolstered by the presence of Tyreek Hill, uh, Armstead, of course, a key free agent acquisition. A lot of people are kind of high on what Miami has done with its limited draft choices this year. You've got a coach who comes in. He's going to run that Shanahan uh, zone running scheme that has presented all kinds of problems, as we know, for the Patriots. It's everything. They're mixing Every yeah. scheme under the under the sun in there, With, without question. So, to me, I think this has to. This, this is an important game too for them, from the standpoint of. And I I know that they're not going to look at it this way. And Bill Belichick isn't concerned with the outside noise, and the Patriots generally don't treat September with the same urgency that other teams do. It's been kind of an extension of the preseason, but to me, the season opener against the Dolphins, for the very reason that you pointed out. Uh, and on top of that, I think just to set the tone for a team that has a lot of questions going into this season, uh, to instill a sense of confidence against Miami division foe, and just the fact that it is a division game right off the bat, and to establish that, okay, Buffalo's the team to beat in the division, but you got to go through us to get to the Bills. Whereas I think a lot of people going into this season assumed that maybe the Patriots have slipped behind the Dolphins as an ascending team within the division. Yeah. And I think you look at that as a ladder, right? You know, the bills are a couple rungs ahead of you and you're right there with the dolphins jostling. And unless you knock them off, they're going to pull you down and you'll never catch the bills. So you need to handle that person you're fighting for in the same rung or same step. And yeah, I've talked about Miami already. I think that's the team and it's unfortunate really the timing for the Patriots. And we're going to ask the same questions we always do going out of Miami. Oh, what about your history down there? And it's going to be so hot. How do you handle the heat? And they're going to say, look, we're coming off a training camp. I think that's fair the question mark is going to be the offense. Like you mentioned, Mike McDaniel, all those different weapons they've got. It's not just Tyree kill. It's Jalen Waddle. Cedric Wilson comes over from Dallas and you know, the RPO offense Patriots had all season to study that for the regular season finale. And Tua who's a fairly limited quarterback. He's very good in those particular plays, 
but that's about it. And they couldn't stop them or the running game. So beyond that, I wouldn't peg any of these games as a win or a loss. I would just say again, two to two in that spot would be a success. Now, if you're one in three, this leads us kind of into the second quarter. Week five is versus Detroit at Cleveland week six versus Chicago week seven. That's a Monday night game. And then at the Jets, that's a stretch where you start to develop and mature. Like you're saying, the extended preseason is over. And you know what you have. And if you win those games, you're back, even as a one and three start. If you go three and one there, you're kind of at four and four in a position going into week nine versus the Colts. And then your bye week to say, hey, we're at 500 or a game over. Yeah, Andrew, you know, I, and, and this is a, an, an extension of the Miami game for me, too. I think it's going to those four, first four games, particularly the first three. Let's assume Mitchell Trubisky is that quarterback for Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I know he's a guy that doesn't engender a lot of respect because of the way he exited Chicago, but he played well and gave the Patriots a lot of problems versus a very good Patriots team in his lone start here to four against them in Chicago, particularly with his legs. So I look at those early games at Miami with the, the concepts offensively and the personnel, the upgrades in particular, that the Dolphins have made as well as playing the Steelers with some of the things they have done, as well as with a mobile quarterback, presuming Trubisky is the guy, then Baltimore, Lamar Jackson and his speed and, and some of the issues that the Ravens defense can exploit. And I think it's, it's an early test for this new look Patriots defense, this smaller, hopefully faster, more athletic Patriots defense that is going to go with some smaller quarterbacks, at least based on the, you know, the personnel that they have right now. And as well, you know, the smaller linebackers, guys like Mac Wilson getting an opportunity. So I think it's going to be an early, early test for those guys. And perhaps some people might see it if it doesn't go well as an indictment on them, you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I think, just you know, the, the thing for me with the Patriots, like predicting wins and losses, there's so many unknowns right. going into the season for this team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, because I think they're counting on some unknowns to make a big jump whether it's guys that have played a little bit the last couple of years, or we haven't seen at all, but they've watched in practice and at least had in the meeting rooms over the course of you know, the last 12 to 16 months. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point too. Not only just about the lighter, smaller defense, how well do you chase around a Lamar Jackson there in week three or Mitchell Trubisky, who I'll never forget that game in Chicago, Adrian Claiborne must've run past him a gazillion times because he's stepping up and scrambling. He almost had more rushing yards at that point of rushing, third downs than he did throwing but that's a test of their discipline and all the boring stuff we're going to hear but we'll win those games early on are you better fundamentally are you tackling better than the other team are you setting in the edge in the run game and not scrambling behind the quarterback or rushing behind the quarterback to allow him to scramble yeah Andrew I think we're going to hear a lot of set the edge set the edge right (laughs) those those first couple of weeks don't let the quarterbacks escape keep them in the pocket and the thing for me too when I look at the schedule and look at the teams that have mobile quarterbacks. And generally, that's the way the NFL is going. These dual threat quarterbacks, guys that can extend plays, guys that can make the off-platform throws, the unscripted plays. So I think for the Patriots, it's, it's going to be a real challenge on home. And we're going to see, as we said, right off the top, the defense tested this new look defense, even though we don't quite know what that new look is and, and how it's going to shape up by week one. Nonetheless, it's, it's going to be tested early. I think it will get a bit of a reprieve as we've talked about, particularly if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the you know, first five, six games of the season, if not longer. And I, I would flip it around too. looking offensively for Mac Jones, who all eyes are going to be on him. I think from people I've talked to within the team, there's, there's a real belief about him, which you could say, Hey, they started him last year as a rookie. We know there's belief, but no, no, no. They're counting on that year two leap 
that we all talk about so much to carry them in areas where you look at the offense around them, the talent doesn't wow you. There aren't a lot of game breakers or guys who I've said before scare opposing defense or coordinators, but they believe in him. The thing that will bring him down, though, as we know, is interior pressure. You're replacing both your starting guards. One of them is going to be a rookie. Miami's defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, longtime Patriots assistant. He knows how to scheme pressure. Pittsburgh, week two, led the league in sacks last year, and it wasn't just you know a, a statistical kind of outlier. They were second in adjusted sack rate, so they were getting after the quarterback. Baltimore blitzes almost as much as anyone, and Green Bay's defense is really deep there in the front seven. So you even get to week five, you know, someone for Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions might bite off a kneecap if given the choice uh, at that point. But it'll it'll be a good test, I think, specifically like we talked about in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I was remiss not mentioning the offensive challenge for the Patriots because when you talk about setting the tone and making a statement to the fans and the skeptics, how many people right now have a lot of confidence in where the Patriots have gone or where they haven't gone offensively when it comes to their coaching staff, <laughs> what kind of changes are going to be implemented with the coaching staff, whomever's calling plays for them come week one. And you mentioned Josh Boyer with Miami and, and the Steelers have played them well the last couple of bodies. I still remember Tom Brady on, on a couple of late game series, trying to find Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman uh, as his, as his loan options, basically uh, in that late season game in 2018, 17 to 10, it was their last game in Pittsburgh up until week two here. Yeah, absolutely. And now you have Brian Flores who's on that staff. So again, there's great, <laughs> great institutional point. knowledge. And we know what kind of you know game plans that he and Josh Boyer put together going back to the end of the 2019 season against the Patriots. And I think Baltimore is a team that certainly should be much improved over last year. They were decimated by injuries and, and they were still in so many games and you know, still on the cusp of being a playoff team late into the year. Uh, Green Bay, a lot of people, you know, I, I think believe that Green Bay once again will be a Super Bowl contender out of the NFC, one of the top two or three teams in that conference. Maybe they've taken a step back offensively, but defensively they showed a lot of improvement last year. And so that's going to be a test for the Patriots. Yeah. All right. Let's assume these first nine games, like we talked about, you know, a lot of questions in the trenches, the first four, it's a little softer versus Detroit at Cleveland versus Chicago at the Jets close with the Colts at home, which I think will be a really close test game. Then they get their bye week, week 10, perfectly timed by let's say the median outcome of this comes about they're four and five or five and four. The next stretch. Whoo boy. Ice up son. As it was once said, because you get the jets at home. Great cupcake, little springboard jump and see how high you can go at Minnesota on Thanksgiving back at home for Buffalo on a Thursday. And then at Arizona on December 12th on Monday night football, those four games aside from missing family and friends on Thanksgiving and the start of the death of our holiday fun um, say what to you? Well, one of the things it says to me with the, the primetime games late in the year is that the people that are making the television schedule and the, the, the top execs at the net, networks think the Patriots are going to be an over team this year compared to the odds makers, at least at this point, with Buffalo on a Thursday night, Arizona the following Monday, Vegas on Sunday night football as it stands right now, and of course all on the heels of that Minnesota game in prime time. So that suggests to me that there is a belief that the Patriots are ready for prime time players uh, come the prime part of the schedule this year. And, uh, you know, when I look at that rundown that you just gave now, I don't know what to expect out of Minnesota under Kevin O'Connell. Uh, but when you, when you we get to week 13, I think we can all expect Buffalo will be uh, the team to beat in the division and probably the, the team to beat 
in the conference. To, to me, I, I haven't seen anything that the Bills have done that has done anything other than strengthen their team going into next year on paper. Then at Arizona, uh, a team that came to, to Foxborough and, you know, they were riding high at the time. I think that they probably felt they went away with the better team, but with a game, with a loss, they, you know, that the Patriots were able to pull out. Folk gets the late field goal. Can we hit Fox pause for a Fox. second to talk about that game? Because I remember not so much as the Patriots pulling out, but the, the Cardinals vomiting all over themselves. Yeah, thank you. I was trying to be kind. I was trying to be <laughs> I, I know, but th this is why I'm here to balance you out because yeah, you won't do the thing that I'm about to do, which is completely crap all over the Cardinals who missed a short field goal in the last couple of minutes, committed a horrendous penalty along the sideline to extend what was the game-winning drive there. I think it was rookie Isaiah Simmons. When Cam Newton it looks like he was a make-a-wish adult who was thrown into an NFL game just playing quarterback and just clearly was off from the get-go. So they win on a 50-yard field goal and a prayer with Nick Folk sending them home in a game that you just look back and go, at least for me, one of the grossest Patriots games I've covered. And I don't know if that's true for you. And maybe you can use a different word, but it was, it was a little ugly there in 2020 for reasons besides the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but by the end of 2020, relatively speaking, <laughs> to me, there were a few others that were a little more, uh, uh, they were a little uglier than... Uh, True. As far yeah, as victories go, go, I should say. As, yeah. as victories go, yeah. you know, just win, baby, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I don't have, like, I, I, I am not one who, who believes that you know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray or, uh, or you know, the, the the coach and quarterback, they seem to be the first half of last year. I think they're more like the coach and quarterback they were the last half mm -hmm. of 2021. But nonetheless, you know, that that's a team that, you know, the last time the Patriots faced them, again, was in position to win here, albeit much different circumstances, much different Patriots team. Uh, but going to Vegas, McDaniels, uh, Patriots West, uh, having to deal with that team offensively, Again, when, when it comes to institutional knowledge, does anybody have more on Mac Jones and the Patriots offense than the head coach of the Raiders, who also, of course, knows how Bill thinks probably as well as anybody when it comes to the Patriots defense? And, you know, I, I'm saying that because I believe that, you know, Bill will have his hands in, in, in both game plans, as he always has, or at least on defense. And uh, and I think that, you know, you look at Cincinnati with Burrow and and and, and Chase and and, and the team that the Bengals should have uh, to, to, to start the season and likely finish it. Miami, Buffalo, two division games. And that's a brutal stretch. It's a very, very difficult way to close out the season uh, for, you know, any team, but particularly I think for this Patriots team, which I believe has to take a step forward coming off last year, as difficult as that might be. I don't think this is a team Robert Kraft laid it out at the owners meetings. He's just, he's not happy with having gone three years without a playoff win. And, and to me, in year two under Mac Jones, particularly with so many players that they invested in so heavily last year, you know, going into their second season, and in some cases their last year under contract, this team has got to take a step forward. And it's going to be very difficult, I think, at the outset and at the conclusion of this coming season for them to do that. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, reverse roles here with you. Let me do the sunny side of this brutal schedule as you just bring us down with your just horribly depressing take, Bob. No, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Um, let's start with the Jets. After the bye week, that's their first game, November 20th, at home. You're coming off a bye. You're playing the Jets at home. That has been a recipe for winning so long as Bill Belichick has been the head coach here in New England. Let's not expect that to change. At Minnesota, you don't know. It's a short week. It's an unfamiliar opponent. What I would say, though, is I think in those scenarios, you trust the better coach team. And Kevin O'Connell, who we mentioned, is a bit of an unknown as a first-year coach. 
My understanding is that across the league from the people I've talked to, there's not a whole lot of confidence in him necessarily as a head man. It certainly as an offensive coach, maybe he's good in a position room, but there are questions about how he's going to lead a room. And I think Minnesota is a sneaky team where we used to give this, and certainly I did even on, on TV last year as being a cheap team. Minnesota is sneaky in that category too, because as I understand it, their new GM and head coach, Kevin O'Connell, took cheaper deals relative to the rest of all the new hires, which included Las Vegas, obviously with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler um, and elsewhere across the league. So let's say they go 2-0. Then it comes down to Buffalo, which I said I think is an appreciably better team. First of all, that game's on Amazon Prime, Bob. I don't know if you have Amazon Prime. My girlfriend has Amazon Prime. I might need her if I couldn't go to that game for whatever reason to find that game on Amazon Prime for me. Could you find live TV or this game on Amazon Prime without any help right now? I'm not, I didn't list my kids' help. Okay. My, right. my kids know how I mean, anything that's an electronic device in our house, from the computer to the remote control, my kids are masters of it. Okay. When, I'm when glad to hear that. Programming my phone, accessing apps on my phone, <laughs> I, I just turned to the 10 and 11 year olds. So if, if, if you know, heaven forbid, if for some reason I'm here and not there at that game, then I will ask my kids, please find the Patriots and the Bills on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know I get emails from them all the time with you know, whatever the, the latest movie releases there are. They have a lot of those behind the scenes specials. The all or nothing specials were pretty good when they spent an entire season with the Cardinals and the Eagles several years mm -hmm. ago, but in the Colts just last year during, during yeah, the season. Exactly. So I, I am, I am somewhat familiar with Amazon prime, but usually, you know, ordering refills on, uh, I don't know. You know yeah. Stuff. Paper come Christmas, yeah. you know, ordering gifts for gift cards for, uh, relatives, uh, but, but yeah, but not, not football games football is, is my point. Yeah, not no, not, no, no, no. not football games on a Thursday. But hey, this is the world we live in. We'll advance, and I might have to call my girlfriend uh, if I'm stuck at home for whatever reason. The thing about that Thursday night game to remember is you might think, okay, coming off of Thanksgiving, you get the Buffalo Bills in a short week. Not the case. The Bills are playing on Thanksgiving too. It's in Detroit. They're going to be in similar circumstances on the road against an unfamiliar opponent, and clearly, or most likely, um, a worse one. So we don't have to do predictions here. I think most likely that outcome is a loss. The Arizona game, though, goes back to something I just said about Minnesota. In a situation in which you have a coaching that is worse than your own team and an unfamiliar opponent and one that you get to prepare 11 days for, December 1st all the way to December 12th, that's a situation that I think is a big check in Bill Belichick's favor. Also because, as you mentioned, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they're not the tandem we saw at the first half of last season. Or the first half of 2020, for whatever reason, that Arizona team has a real habit of falling apart down the stretch. I'm not here to say it'll happen again, but history would be set indicating this game could be closer. And if not in the Patriots favor, which point, again, we don't know what's going to happen week 11 through 14. They might be three and one coming off that bye. I think there's a very, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think very valid points. And, you know, I think that the, the one thing about Belichick and the coaching I know last year there were times when they did not look like a well-coached team. They, it, it's hard to argue otherwise when there were the substitution issues that they had and wasted timeouts and mm -hmm. some of the penalties that they took, the special teams breakdown. But I think we're going to see those areas, even with the coaching staff changes and, and, and the, the departures, particularly on the offensive side. You know, you have a defensive line coach and Demarcus Covington, a lot more experienced now. Been a lot of young coaches over the course of the last couple of years that have really been learning 
having moved up in the pipeline because of the brain drain going back really to 2018, uh, that you've had a lot of young coaches. And I think that, you know, they're going to have, I think that this, this year, at least on that side of the ball, uh, an opportunity to erase some of those things just because of experience and having learned. And I don't think Bill's going to let it slide. I would be shocked if, if some of the same problems that we saw throughout last year are not addressed this offseason and corrected during the coming year. And then I think special teams particularly, and I think we saw during the draft, uh, Andrew, uh, a reflection that as Mike Reese, our esteemed colleague, put it, the Patriots are trying to reestablish their mojo on special teams. So I think those are two areas. When you look back at some of the losses they had a year ago, the Indianapolis game, uh, the, even the Dallas game is, is you know, is, is horrible as, as the, the defense, uh, you know, found, played in, in critical spots third and long against the Cowboys. It was much a testament to their offense. I mean, there's a huge block punt in that game. And I think that for the Patriots, when, when you look at these teams like Minnesota, Las Vegas, not only will they have, the coaching advantage, but because of that, I think they will be once again the team that doesn't make the same mistakes in those hidden areas, or at least on special teams. The, the teams like that typically do. Teams under coaches like Cliff Kingsbury and an inexperienced Kevin O'Connell would be expected to do. Right, and I'll say this, for a team that doesn't have a, a high ceiling, just based on the roster talent available to them, you can't have those holes as they did last year, yeah, absolutely. where they played a more favorable schedule as a third-place team in 2020, goes into 2021, where the bottom's just totally going to fall out. Because, again, your schedule now, there's a playoff team, is somewhere within the top 10, as I enunciate this time properly, uh, in, terms of, um, in terms of difficulty. So now to counter what I said before we go into the final stretch, which is going to make or break their season, I think, including a game at home against Miami, Bill Belichick is a really good coach. Bill Belichick cannot defend um, Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. He cannot cover one-on-one -on -one Stephon Diggs in Buffalo at home or DeAndre Hopkins, most likely in Arizona. So there are answers. You can have scheme, but their corner depth, particularly outside, when you go look at the two rookies, Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, are going to help a whole lot outside the numbers. And it's going to be more difficult, particularly in Arizona, even with that extra time to defend what is a four wide offense. But we'll see. Again, that if you take one big takeaway, we're not saying this team is going to go, you know, 12 and five, which still sounds so freaking weird. I missed the 16 game schedule, you know, or six and 11. Okay. We're here to say there's a wide range, but these are the kind of matchups to look for. Las Vegas, week 15, December 18th. Besides the fact that you will be on this trip every night late at the casinos while your kids study at home for their exams. Bob, what, what, what of all the storylines has your attention here? Well, there's, there are so many storylines, and I think the obvious are going to grab uh, you know, everyone's attention. McDaniel, Ziegler, uh, the, the Patriots uh, playing against the Raiders in Vegas. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about the tuck rule game once again. Uh, going into that matchup and, and kind of the way the fortunes of the two franchises have changed through the years since that game. But I, I think to me, you know, one of the, the things to look at uh, with uh, a team like Las Vegas is, you know, Josh McDaniels brought in a lot of people from New England. And, you know, with that, typically, as we saw in Miami, particularly under Brian Flores early on, there's a cultural shift. And I wonder, like in the, in the case of Derek Carr, the, the, the Raiders, some people suspected when, when McDaniels got hired there that uh, they didn't necessarily want Derek Carr as the long-term quarterback. 
but they have now committed to Derek Carr. So to me, it's going to be interesting to see by that stage of the season, you know, how will the Raiders coming off a playoff season uh, under a coach who took over in adverse circumstances as Rich Passaccia did and seemed to be a really well-respected, well-liked guy. I've heard some people around the league have known him through the years in, in, in a special teams role. I really talk about what a great guy he is. And I'm, I'm curious now with the cultural shift and the Patriot influence, as much as they say, that, you know, we're not here to establish the Patriot way. How are the Raiders and how is Derek Carr going to hold up to that? And now that they have made that commitment to him and, and will they be a team come week 15 uh, that even with Devontae Adams and all that they've done to seemingly make that roster better will be a better football team than the one that at least got into the playoffs last year. It's funny you bring up the Patriot way and not adopting that as much as they are going to take a lot of tenants and, you know, uh, philosophical pillars of the program here out there, because it reminds me of a story and we're going to get into your stories, which are going to be the best part of the podcast by traveling with the team. 2019 Patriots Lions joint practices outside of Detroit. Matt Patricia takes questions every single morning and they're about doing what we just talked about, adopting the Patriot way, but we're not the Patriots. The first song that blares at practice, Bob, <laughs> I will never forget this, was This Is Our House. Yeah. The touchdown song for the Patriots at Gillette Stadium almost since its inception. And I'm just, I'm out. You can't believe another word out of Matt Patricia's mouth at that time, which again, that, that 10 year did not go very well. Um, but he's back here in a role I think is more suited, whatever that is offensively, better than being a head coach. And look, Belichick learned his first time around in Cleveland about the changes and things he could and could not adopt from Bill Parcells. Who knows what happens with Matt Patricia? But it is interesting. On the note about the Patriot way, though, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the players they brought over, and there's been a lot. It's upwards of 20 when you include the coaches. Not many of them are main characters or, or captains or leaders in this roster, aside from maybe Chandler Jones, who for most of his career has really been a Cardinal versus a Patriot. You look at Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams comes over, even Darren Waller. These are leaders who are there and established. They need to buy in. You're not bringing in, you know, some people like Trey Flowers to Detroit and instilling the culture through him. So I'll be interested to see whether this is really a hybrid, which I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from people I've talked to are going for a hybrid that they put their imprint on it. And it's, you know, the features in some way are dominated by the, the Patriot way, as it were. But if they're more aesthetic kind of touches versus we're going to rely on the roster and the people we have here because we believe in that. And they're talented guys. All the guys I just listed are top 10, top 12 with their position. Yeah. And having said you know, what I did, I do believe that Josh McDaniels has at least said all the right things to indicate that he learned from that experience in Denver that it is about relationships and yes. he cannot go into the next head coaching job, which he is now in while with the Raiders with the idea of replicating the Patriot Belichick program out in Vegas. And I think Josh, you know, has, has grown as a person by all accounts, as well as as a coach. And he does have a good staff, as I see. I think Patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator there. That's a good move. Uh, another guy with, with, with Patriot roots. So I don't expect Vegas to have the same kind of problems Granted, it's a much more talented team on, on the surface coming off a playoff appearance than, for example, Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions. But nonetheless, I, I do wonder about Derek Carr 
as their quarterback. And again, if they don't rise to the expectations, do you start to see some of those guys that you're talking about who were the leaders before and will be expected to be leaders and aren't from that Patriot uh, cast of, of players coming over from Foxborough to Vegas, you know, how, how are they going to respond late in the air if the season isn't going as well as they expect, particularly with that division, yes. having to play against the Chargers and the Chiefs in, in the West Division and, and, of course, a vastly improved Denver Broncos team. Yeah, I want to close on Vegas with a couple thoughts, one of which I think early on in that week, where, of course, the storylines dominated, thanks to people like you and me, is going to be Belichick versus McDaniels. And the responses are going to be, it's about the players in the field. And as I just mentioned for Las Vegas, that means players that typically are not former Patriots. And so they're not going to care a whole lot about some sort of revenge. Now, one optimistic note, if you're the Patriots, I think getting them this late in the season, being the Raiders, is a good thing considering Josh McDaniels knows every single thing about your operation and your players and your roster and could flex that best in September and October. Whereas you know the offense largely he's going to run, but you don't know how he's going to deploy Devontae Adams or Darren Waller, players who are so different from anyone he had even here in New England where you go, okay, he had Gronk, who was very much a 2-way tight end, where Darren Waller is a little bit a guy they move around. Now, that optimistic note said, I think there is a chance they get buried in this game because not only will they understand Mac Jones intimately thanks to Josh McDaniels, they'll know how Bill and Matt Patricia will likely want to attack and confuse Derek Carr. And the person who can prepare them for all that, of course, is Josh McDaniels. And with the Patriots coming off a short week, Monday night in Arizona leads into Sunday night in Las Vegas on December 18th. You're probably staying out West and you're sleeping at UNLV and dorms or practicing at you know, ASU. If they stay out in Arizona, it's going to be unfamiliar. And I think it will lead to, if I had to guess right now, Bob, and I, we're not doing predictions, but if I had to do one, this will be one. A lot of, we're on to Cincinnati because who awaits next but the Bengals at home on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and, and I think we're going to hear a lot before the Arizona, uh, the Vegas game too, just to quickly uh, uh, you know, r- remind uh, the audience that it doesn't matter, you know, the coaches and all that, because it's players, the players play, the coaches yes. aren't, aren't playing. So they, we're going to hear a lot of that, but it really does matter. And yes, on to Cincinnati, Christmas Eve, and the Bengals – Seemingly, you know, you you look at what they what they did last year. Uh, they have the young, dynamic quarterback. Uh, I, I think that you know Joe Burrow. There's so much to like about him as a leader, as as a player. Uh, the, the Bengals are a team that you know they address the the most glaring weakness on their roster. So, see, you know, conceivably, they go into the season an even better team than the one that beat the Chiefs and sh- really was in position and, and probably should have beat uh, the Rams but they're coming off a Super Bowl loss and how are they going to handle that? And, you know, for so many of these, any, any team, but I, and I think that's really the part of the great uh, uh, accomplishment that the Patriots achieved in, in, in not only winning the Super Bowls they did in the Belichick Brady era, but just getting the championship games year after year after year that they overcame injuries along the way. They overcame adversity in, in various forms and fashions along the way to do all that. And, and so is Cincinnati going to have the same kind of script to go through this season uh, the way they did last year? Are there going to be more bumps in the road? We, you know, the injuries, of course, the NFL is a game of attrition. It's a league of attrition, particularly when you get late in the season. So, but if the Bengals, presuming that they're, they're the team uh, on paper at the end of the season that they were at the beginning of the season, yeah, I, I think it's obviously a very formidable foe, but it's good to have them in Foxborough uh, late in the season 
And hopefully the Patriots have grown into the team that they expect to be, that they hope to be. Uh, but, you know, for me, I think that's obviously a very challenging game, but at least they're playing it on their turf. Yeah, I'm, I'm lower in Cincinnati than I think consensus right now. And I think that's fair considering their profile statistically, whether you look at in the trenches or anywhere besides quarterback and receiver. Didn't scream AFC champion. And look, that's the beauty of football, right? It's unpredictable. We've said that now five times about the entire schedule. That's never more true than in the playoffs. You have 60 minutes. Make of it what you will. And they made more of it than the Chiefs did, than the Raiders did, than the Titans did when they won all those games and two of them on the road. But you look in their division, Baltimore cannot be any more injured than they were last year. And they'll be back. I think the Browns, of course, will be better no matter how many games Deshaun Watson plays. And I just don't think you get the same breaks. Now, that being said, just like I mentioned with Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, the Patriots don't have an answer on the roster for Jamar Chase. And sometimes it's just that freaking simple. So Joe Burrow is a quarterback you would trust to lead a comeback. It'll be interesting to see him match wits with Belichick for the first time. Um, but I think that's a game where, again, for the reason you mentioned, they're at home. I think they're going to be in a tight spot. And the roster talent around Burrow, aside from Jamar Chase, and their offensive line is better. Old friend Teddy Karras is going to be there at left guard. It's just, it doesn't intimidate you, I think, as much as the reigning AFC champions are coming to your house on Christmas Eve. Hide your kids. It's not that with, with, with Cincinnati. We know the thing about the Patriots defense too, Andrew, though, when you look at defending Cincinnati and you mentioned Burrow and Chase and the other weapons they have offensively, you also have to stop Joe Mixon. And I yeah. think we haven't talked about the Patriots run defense. And I think that that was a very much an overlooked deficiency last year. They were supposed to be a lot better against the run in 2021 than they were in 2020 when they were porous. And they weren't in, in my mind, demonstrably better overall. And in, in particular in, in, in key parts of games, a lot of losses where they needed that third down stop and they didn't get it. They couldn't get the team off the field. And I look at, for example, we, we talked about Mike McDaniel and, and, and the Shanahan running schemes and the problems that that is that offense is traditionally posed against the Patriots. Well, Miami's invested a lot in its backfield. They didn't change quarterbacks, but to me, they've invested Michelle. a lot in their backfield. Yeah. And, and the Patriots had trouble starting stopping the Dolphins running game the last two years with what they had, which was a pretty inferior cast, less than pedestrian compared to a lot of teams around the league. And, and I watched Joe Mixon run against the Patriots a few years ago in Cincinnati, and they had a tough time stopping him. You know, thankfully they had Andy Dalton playing quarterback who was throwing passes to Stefan Gilmore and JC <laughs> Jackson. You know, but I think that's, and I think that's another important part of this, the, 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 the matchups this year for the Patriots, particularly again, late in the year, Cincinnati, uh, Miami late in the season at Buffalo, the bills have made an effort to improve that part of the game reports are as we speak today that they try to get Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so I, I, I think for the Patriots, that's going to be an area to watch, you know, you know, even from the outset, we go back to that first game against Miami and then Baltimore, particularly in, in week three, but also the Steelers with Najee Harris in week two and, you know, no Ben Roethlisberger and probably a, a different approach offensively for them. And, and it will carry over through the rest of the season and be a point of emphasis, especially when you get into December and, and two of those three games in cold weather environments, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Yeah. And I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. Now the Patriots were bottom 10 in interior run defense by yards allowed per carry and yards allowed per game. And you just can't have that 
in December against teams that want to be physical and sometimes weren't all that physical Miami and run over you anyway. So I think that is a really good point to bring in because Mixon, you mentioned that game, Belichick also fawned over him. And this was not your Wednesday morning press conference, Belichick fawning. This was after the game and him talking about basically Mixon is as good as anyone else in the league. And that was something you didn't hear a whole lot about, you know, the Bengals when they were dormant at the time, building up to where they are now, which again, I think is a good team. I just wouldn't keep them in the circle of contenders. Like they came so close to winning a Super Bowl last year, Miami talked about it before. I think there are a lot of unknowns there. I think you're happy to have them at home in January. I think it's a game that could decide their season. We've talked about them a lot um, at Buffalo. Same deal as it's, it's it's hard to say anything much more than I think the, the bills are appreciably better. They're well-rounded deep team. Admittedly, they're going for it this year. And we saw the Patriots approach in the off season was markedly different than that of the bills. And I think they're taking a longer term view. What I will say besides the Patriots don't have an answer for virtually all the number one receivers starting from Thanksgiving on is that if Mac Jones, and this is a humongous, if, and I'm not saying I believe he can do this for most of these games, but if he can match the quarterback play on the other side, certainly possible with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. We'll see about Josh Allen twice, Kyler Murray. I think Derek Carr, it's possible. And Tua Tagovailoa, and then you throw in Joe Burrow. He'll keep them in the game. Yeah. And then you need a big special teams play or an extra turnover defensively to flip what should be a one-score game. And so that's where I think I talked about earlier, the belief inside the team and organization about him making the sleep, taking charge. I think he'll probably be a captain this year. And does that show late in the year when he needs to be at his best, when his best is demanded? Because again, Josh Allen's better quarterback, but all those other guys I think should be within reach. Maybe not Joe Burrow in terms of matching or exceeding the other quarterback's level of play. Yeah. Andrew and I, you know, I think that's the most important point and it's one we both probably should have made. I'm glad you did earlier in the podcast, because I think it does come down. It's, it's a co it's a quarterbacks and coaches league. Bottom line. Now, I think defensive lines, as we saw last year in the postseason, can disrupt yeah. those quarterbacks in, in, in key moments. But when I look at the Patriots matchup, and you now you start to go through that schedule and 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 and, and think about what you just said, and, and you start to think, okay, Mac and Tua, Mac and Trubisky, Mac and Lamar Jackson, if he if the Patriots are able to at least neutralize the running game and, and force him to make some plays in a tight game or from behind. Mm -hmm. as a passer, just as they did a couple of years ago in 2020. Mack and Rodgers, but the Mack and Goff. Mack and, if Mayfield's the quarterback for Cleveland, you know, if, if it's not Watson. No, but you, probably yeah. Jacoby Brissett is their back. Yeah, I think Baker, yeah. Baker would rather yeah. re-enroll at Oklahoma. Well, well yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Mack and Wilson. Mack and, and, and Matt Ryan, and, you know, with Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. Mack and, and, and Kirk Cousins. Mack, you know, and Kyler Murray. Mack and Derek Carr. Uh, and, and so on. So I, I think that, you know what, when you, when you, when you boil it down to that, I, you're, you're right. If Mac Jones takes the step forward, that the, I think the team fully expects him to take. And there are all the signs that he's in much better shape. We, we see it in the workout videos. They don't tell us a lot, but he, he does look a lot fitter. He's been out there. He's been working with Tom House. He's had throwing sessions with his teammates. We've heard several Patriot players in the recent past talk about him. Bob, are you on Instagram looking at those videos? You getting busy on IG? Just checking out, see what Mac, what Mac progress is. I just wait for your retreats. You, you guys, you guys, you and the rest of the people on the beach do such a great job. But I was, I was, you know, I'm just glad they're not as artistic as some of the ones we have, we've, we've, we've had to pay attention to. Mm. The, past, the black and white 
uh, a little too too, too edited, you know, yeah, like, too edited, too edited. I I, I kind of like the old school approach. Just just throw them out there, put the highlights out there. Maybe you know, a nice inspirational slogan or a hashtag and, and, and let the world see what you're doing. It sounds like you've got something very specific in mind there, Bob, as if you're going to have some summer workouts of your own and we're going to keep it simple and have a hashtag. You know what? I mean, you might be out of something, Andrew. Yeah. Back in Bob's with Bob. Yeah. Keep it coming. I'll let you, I'll, I'll give you the scoop, you know, if, if, and when that, that comes to fruition, Beautiful. but uh, hey, it's my, my long winded way of saying, I, I think the Patriots, I agree. I think that what they, they, they like Mac Jones a lot. I think that they, and I also think that, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was reading and I guess I, I should have can admit yeah, this. the Boston I reading, Herald. Yeah. I was reading the, the Herald, you and Karen do a fabulous bang up job, but I was reading uh, it's better to be feared. Is that the name? Yeah. Seth Baker, James and I found it interesting that in his book, he reported that Belichick had considered had Josh moved on several years ago, Joe judge running the offense along with Bill. And we know that Bill's had a history going back to 2001 and the death of Dick Rabon of, of really taking over the quarterback room and meeting with the quarterbacks on a regular basis. So I think as concerned as many of us are, as skeptical as many uh, on the outside are about the Patriots offensive staff, I think internally, you know, as Bill said, we don't have to call any plays for a while. But I think they feel pretty good about when that time does come that, you know, it's not going to be a quarterback sneak on third and eight. You know, as we saw from the Giants last year, it's going to be an offense that's going to function well and maybe function a little differently under his direction and with the personnel they have. And it might have to because of some of the coaches they're going to go against when you look at McDaniels. And you know, we talked about Josh Boyer, Brian Flores early on this season, McDaniels and Patrick Graham and the problems yeah. they've had against the Bills offensively. So not just with personnel, but also maybe schematically. Yeah, you got to innovate. And you know what? The Patriots bottom line, you know, I've talked at length about the offense, what it might look like. Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. Last year, they didn't have a plan B. It was run first. You fall behind, rely on the rookie. And you know what? Sometimes it happens if you're playing a rookie quarterback and you just need to take your medicine in, in your one. And they, they took it better than most teams making the playoffs. But when you don't have a plan B, it's the same thing with Belichick, as we talk about all the time, takes away the strength of the opponent. Teams were doing that to Mac Jones late in the year, best of all Buffalo, and they couldn't do anything about it. So I think they will have a plan B and maybe see how well it's executed. Um, we'll see. All right. Let's do something a little bit more selfish. Our favorite trips. We need your top three. I need your bottom two. I'm going to lead off. I think we're going to overlap here. Number one trip I am most looking forward to, and this encapsulates the city, it encapsulates the time of year, the timing, the distance, of course, the quality of the game. Las Vegas. Get me to Vegas as soon as possible. This will be a great game. The storylines we already talked about. You, of course, we already described, are going to stay out west, feet kicked up, Dakri making your cards. Uh, but is that is that number one in your list or at least somewhere in your top three? It's in the top three, but it's not number one. Ah, all right. Yeah, I, you know, I, um, I had the privilege of going to Notre Dame Stadium while calling Navy football for, for the 16 seasons with the midshipmen, including my very first game of play-by-play -play while at Navy. And when people ask me what's the best broadcasting experience, what's the best experience I've had in the NFL, it's calling that game in 2014 from Lambeau Field mm. at Green Bay. So for me, appreciating the history of the game, it's, it's that stadium very much like Notre Dame Stadium, Lambeau Field, Patriots at the Green Bay Packers. 
it's week four. Weather should be good in October, certainly a lot better than it was in December of 2014. So that's number one for me. Uh, do you want me to go to, go through my list? Yeah, go, well, do number two, and I'll hit you with my number two. Number, number two for me is also very, very similar. Great football town. I think it's a very underrated city. The aesthetics of the stadium itself with the confluence of the three rivers and the backdrop of the Pittsburgh skyline and PNC Park next door. To me, Heinz Field, the, the people in their black and gold of the terrible towels, all streaming toward the stadium, going across the pedestrian bridge. You, you go out for coffee uh, in the morning on Sunday. You see the people out and about. It's a great football environment. That's number two for me. All right. And I've already given my third Vegas. Yeah. So Vegas. Okay. And Vegas kind of goes without saying, we talked about the game, the build of the storylines, Vegas is Vegas. Um, and for me, green Bay was number two. I've been to Lambeau field before, not for a game. It's a bucket list item. Everyone knows that. I think you'd love to have the snow there. I know you're looking forward to the better weather. I would be happy to shovel myself out after the game. If we have a good game. Um, but green Bay, just again, bucket list item. Number three for me, and I didn't expect to land on here because Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boss, everyone knows Tom, um, asked for a poll of everyone's favorite destinations. Where do you want to go? Same thing we're doing here and list the cities. And my second and third were Green Bay and Miami. But when Miami is the season opener and it's going to be 100 degrees down there <laughs> in South Florida, I am out. I, I love Miami. It is my favorite trip every single year. Uh, that changes this year. Now, I didn't take my next option or the one after that when I tweeted out Thomas Poll and gave my answer. And Pittsburgh was a little too low for me, but it's not my number three. My number three is Minnesota. And it's partly because I would like to do a Thanksgiving game once and then never again. And just see how the crowd is and the vibe is and how people are in the parking lots. Or do they stay home or do they come in late? Is it even louder on Thanksgiving? Because everyone knows we have a long weekend ahead. And it's a night game and I think one of the best stadiums in the league, one I've also not been to. So, Minnesota in November, great. No. Are the Vikings a great team? No. But I think it's a unique experience on this uh, schedule here after Vegas and Green Bay that has me looking forward to it. As much as my family, or maybe my family will be very excited I won't be around <laughs> because I'll be in Minnesota, um, you know, waddling through the purple and gold of the, uh, of the tailgates and the parking lots, if they're even there. I don't know. It'll be fun. Okay, great, bottom two. Great stadium. I, w I was yes, there. The, the Super Bowl. Disappointing outcome, but a great stadium. Phenomenal place. Yeah, yeah. So that has me excited. All right, your bottom two. Bottom two, easy for me. And, and you know, I have to say, this is based strictly on the broad, broadcasting experience. Mm. Miami's the worst for me Ooh. because the booth is in the corner of the stadium. The windows do not open. And I hate being in that closeted uh, broadcast booth where you feel like you're calling the game off television. And I've called games off television as recently as 2020. And yet when I've been there in person for the Patriots and the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium, is that the name, Hard Rock Stadium, it just doesn't feel like I'm there because the angle's terrible unless the Dolphins are running the hook and lateral and they're coming right at you at the end of the game in the miracle of Miami. Or, you know, plus you don't, you don't feel any atmosphere because it's enclosed. It's, it's very small. There's not really enough room for Zoe, our producer, and myself. Uh, to so that's what it is. You're just a little little cozy with Zoe, and that ruins the whole thing. A little Bob? claustrophobic. A little claustrophobic. <laughs> it's 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 not. Uh, it, it's just it's it's a very uh, it's it's a very taxing experience in terms of like calling the gigs. You want to, you want to do it well. And they're going mm -hmm. away from you. So I'm 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 setting up an excuse for all the mistakes I'm going to make in week one when the Patriots go to Miami and have to play that game. But it, it's and and those guys will tell you it, it's not a fun experience. And this is a little inside baseball and this is a little spoiled media uh, um, 
prima donna talk. The press box food, it's it's not like you go to Pittsburgh, you go to no, Andrew, you eat well. I'll you back go, you up. You go to Miami, it's yeah. Look, I'll I'll tell you, we're not going to cut out this part of the podcast and use it as a teaser for why people should listen. <laughs> but you're you're abs- you're absolutely right. The food sucks, Miami. Again, it's one of my favorite trips. Good. I'm looking forward to going. And the reason the press box is like that, let's tell the people this is the still old pro player stadium, which has had ten names since and is now Hard Rock where the Marlins used to play. So the press box is still, it looks like behind home plate, but you're in the corner. It is cramped. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go down and have fun. Typically the Patriots fans show out in Miami and they lose anyway, but you come back and have a good time. And I think that'll be a fun game. Um, But you just, yeah, it's, it's cramped. Um, So you're not so negative. I will interrupt with my two. Uh, I, if I get sick when they have to go to the Meadowlands the day before Halloween, I'm okay. <laughs> it is the most <laughs> sterile environment. The games usually are not very good against the Jets. And sometimes that's on the Patriots too, right? Like 25 to six, that's a big Patriots win. You know, that second half slowed to a crawl. And yeah, Mac Jones' first road start as a rookie, they were on one, but there's just nothing about that that gets you going. Not the environment outside the stadium in North Jersey. You were not close to the city. It's the stadium, it's the play, it's everything. And then my other one, and this is going to kill a close friend of mine who's a Bears uh, fanatic. Uh, Monday night football against the Bears. The only great part about this is Monday night football. I think Justin Fields is exciting. I think the skill position talent around him is a crime that should be investigated for Chicago and what they've done to that kid. And you could go, what about the Lions? Two weeks earlier, it's a Sunday game at one. Kneecaps being bitten off has my attention. The Chicago Bears do not. So that, that is a matchup. Again, I... I'm excited for the Monday night. It'll be a fun primetime environment. But as far as the game goes, it's at home. Eh. And again, this is strictly from a reporter's and broadcaster's perspective. I've got to imagine the week leading up to the game versus the Lions. It's going to be a whole lot more entertaining because it's, we might get another kneecap. I can't wait to talk to Dan Campbell. People don't know. We get them on like a conference call. You're all speaking into this, you know, the same uh, intercom with the Patriots reporters are hauled around in Gillette on Wednesdays. If we do get to talk to the opposing coach. Sometimes it's Rex Ryan like other times it's not. And this, I think, will be back to the days of Rex Ryan saying whatever is on his mind with Dan Campbell. And nothing against Matt Eberflus, but he's just not Dan Campbell. <laughs> no, none of us are. No, no, it's absolutely not. Um, your second one, you had my at Miami, and then my second one is your first. It's it's the Jets. Yeah. yeah. And I and I like calling a game at MetLife Stadium. Again, it's, it's all about the vantage point, the broadcast booth. Uh, the Giants feed you better than the Jets. Let's just get that out there on the record uh, as a visiting media member. But it, it is. It's it's gray. It's sterile. It is better for a Giants game because you're looking at blue as opposed to just green everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's the Jets. Yeah. I will say people go, why did you omit Cleveland? Mistake by the lake. I kind of like Cleveland. I don't know if that's going to get people to stop listening right now. That downtown is nice. I was there actually on a small vacation to see a friend of mine. Thoroughly enjoyed my weekend there. Um, Now we'll see if the Patriots do because the Browns got spanked 45 to seven here a year ago. And I don't think they're going to forget that anytime soon. And with Deshaun Watson, theoretically, they should be much better, but. yeah. And the, and you know, they will have, well, again, barring unforeseen circumstances, injuries, whatnot, they'll have Chubb, and probably hunt, whereas they had neither last year. Right. All right, Bob, we have questions for you. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, 
And I almost wish I had done the ad read in front of you because then I could have had you evaluate that, but that is more inside baseball just to get your feedback. Maybe we'll do that next time. So I want to talk about all the travel we just mentioned. You are going to be on the team plane. You fly with them. And it's a question that I often get, you know, you're meeting someone new and you know, explaining with the job, which is always kind of fun, right? Like if someone doesn't know exactly how involved it is, but the question always comes up, do you fly, do you fly with the team? Do you travel with the team? And I say, no, you can say yes to that because you're actually on the plane. I am in row 20 seat D on Delta at 6 AM to get a connector to get to Vegas or Arizona. So what I want to know is a couple of things right off the bat. Very easy. Where do you sit on the team plane? Who are you sitting next to? And then quickly, how do you pass time? Are you preparing? Are you watching movies? Are you reading? Are you looking around to see what the players are doing? Like, what, what can you see from where you are and who's next to you? Well, it's not a matter necessarily of what, what can I see. It's what can I say relative to that question. Because mm -hmm. as you know, Andrew, the, the, the code is what, what happens on the road stays on the road. And that includes the hotel on the team play. And, and quite frankly, I, 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 will, I will spoil expectations for some because I can't really look around to see the players because there's almost no contact with, with, with Patriots players and staff. We go on separate buses and, and I can't divulge too much, but theirs go to one part of the plane, ours go to the other part. They board on their part of the plane, we board on our part. And in between, during a regular season trip for the Patriots, they will have a lot of marketing clients, advertisers and so forth along with people who, who work for the organization that provide that buffer in, in between. Wow. So, All right. I got to stop you there. Who blew it for everyone that you had to be physically separated to board the plane at different times from different bus who got a little too drunk and couldn't be close to the team. Cause they wanted to give a speech that they thought would inspire everyone. and fell flat. It wasn't you. It wasn't so right. Andrew, I've never asked those questions. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I just go where I just go where I'm told to go when I'm told to do it. Okay. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, the way our travel is, I often don't find out until relatively late ah. in the week often. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I will say this because I think Zoe's talked about it on his show. I, I do sit next to Zoe and people probably have seen it. He's tweeted out pictures. Zoe loves to entertain himself by uh, taking selfies of me sitting next to him and showing everyone just how small I am and how big he is. And of course it, it accentuates the, the monstrous melon uh, that he has atop his shoulders. So Ooh, I do sit next to Bob coming in hot. I do sit, I do sit next to Zoe. Monsters and, uh, <laughs> melon. We need to get you in a broadcast to say that somehow and have it make sense this year. Can we, can we commit to that? Week one does 18. Well, I, better be, I better be careful. You know, this is going to be cut up. This is going to wind up on their show. I would never. Edit, edit those words out, please. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I do sit next to Zoe. I think that's public information. So I, I can, I can uh, disclose that. And, and I do try to read, uh, though it's not, you know, often, especially like the last, last time we were on the plane a couple of years ago, we didn't have a lot of long trips. Now, this is going to be an experience for me that, that will be old and yet new because we didn't travel in 2020. Mm -hmm. And last year we had to travel commercially. So I had a chance to, to live life like you guys and, and, and the women on the beat and, and catch that early flight out the next morning following the night game. And, you know, on a couple of hours of sleep. So I, 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 I did last year gain a, a renewed appreciation for what it's like for most people that work in our business uh, to travel to and from games. Uh, but, you know, for me, you know, the best part about it is it's the convenience, it's the comfort, it's the practicality of it, good working conditions. So I do try to get some working on the way out. Sometimes on the way back, particularly if it's a longer trip, I'll get the laptop out and take the, the game summary, the box score and statistics and try to do some work to get a head start on the next game. Uh, but I, I try to catch up on some reading 
uh, if, you know, in the old days when I would read Sports Illustrated in magazine form, as opposed to you know, reading stories on the internet every day, that would be my opportunity to catch up on this week's issue, maybe last week's issue. No, you're making me sad, issue. Bob. I long for, I long for those. I long days. for those days when I actually look forward to the Thursday that it came in the mail. Yeah. Um, Real quick. What, what yeah. would surprise there's someone? There's television. I'm sorry. What would, what would surprise someone? Like we've already talked about very separate, you know, don't look, don't be close to, don't anything near the players. Um, what would surprise someone about the flight, though, as it goes on, like in terms of drink service or what goes on? Are the people coming and going? Is it quiet? Is it loud? Like It's very quiet. I think what people would be surprised about is how professional. I mean, and I say that in that it's, 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 it's a business. You know, they, players tell us all the time, right? It's a business trip. And, and that's what it is. It's 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 a it is a business trip. And uh, there is whether they win or they lose, uh, you know, you you you. You, you go on the plane, you get off the plane, again, everybody kind of, you know, marches in line, the people that are in PR, the people that are in the media, uh, we go to our part of the plane, player, players did the same, and you never know, like, there's, there, you know, it, it, there's a different feeling, obviously, when you're coming back from, for example, 2018, uh, January of 19, after the AFC Championship game in Kansas City, there's a different sense, a different feeling. All right, well, that, that leads me to my Brady, next question. Brady and Gronk, you know, did that, 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 that yeah. video uh, of, of themselves uh, after that win, you know, with the looks on their faces and so forth, uh, which they uh, did a reprise of last year with Tampa Bay, or two years ago with Tampa Bay, but, you know, I, to me, it's, it's just, you know, it, 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 it it's a, it's a very business-like atmosphere. It's very, and I, and I hate to use that word professional because what does that really mean? But it's, it's, the, it's the lone word in my limited vocabulary that, that comes to mind. It, 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 we're, we're not on the party express. It, it, you know, we're going to do our jobs. Players and coaches are going to do theirs. And, and it, it, it feels like that. And it sounds like that even after the game. You mentioned that ride home from Kansas City. AFC championship game, first road playoff win for anyone. I think it was since 2006. Um, and when you listen to players, including Devin McCourty, you were asked, Hey, what's your best favorite win as a Patriot that ranks ahead of multiple Super Bowls for him, or at least one was that the best, most joyous plane ride you've been on with the team since you became radio broadcaster. It's been the best. That's the best experience I've had calling a game going, uh, you know, from the stadium back home uh, in, in, in my nine years here to four of calling Patriots football. But when people ask me about my favorite games. Previously, I said the 2014 divisional round Patriots win where they mm. came back from down 14 twice against the Ravens and the way Gillette Stadium became electrified, the various formations, the Edelman to Amendola pass. But the, the best feeling to me, uh, being with the team and I'm, I try not to be a homer. I'm, I'm not part of the team. Uh, I don't say we, I don't say they when I call the games, but Obviously, I'm the Patriots announcer. I want the Patriots to win and go to Kansas City in an environment where it was a red sea of, of uh, Chiefs fans. Generally, when we travel, there are a lot of Patriot fans. That wasn't the case for that game. It was freezing cold, as you know. Uh, I think there were very few people uh, that really believed outside of the Patriots locker room. The Patriots are going to go out to Kansas City and win that game. There was that true us against the world feeling. And for them to go out there and win, and especially under the circumstances, they had, they had to control the game at halftime, then it became a track meet, and they, they fell behind, they come back and score, and then eventually Burkhead rams it in for the win after the third three and uh, third and ten conversions in overtime. And uh, after all that running, Brady hits on one key pass after another. Okay, so Kansas City, 
takes the cake. No question about it. Everything about that ride. Flip side, the most miserable or awkward or silent, just uncomfortable plane ride you've had with the Patriots. Well, since you made it plane ride and with the Patriots, I guess that disqualifies all the bus rides I was on in minor league baseball. Yes. yes. I, I've got a million, you want to hear stories. I got a million stories from my minor league baseball road trip days, but most miserable ride of the Patriots. You know, I said Kansas City was the best ride coming back after the AFC championship in 2019, January of 19. The worst ride that stands out to me was 2014 coming back from Kansas City. I knew that was coming. Yeah, you know, that yeah. late September Monday night game. And, and, I, and I say that because of, of a number of things. I'm new to the job. You know, it's my second year. Uh, 2013 ended in very disappointing fashion. The Patriots get walloped by the Chiefs in that Monday night game. Bill Belichick's being questioned about Tom Brady and evaluating the quarterback position. And it's on to Cincinnati, of course, would follow. Uh, but very uncomfortable moments in the press game, the post-game press conference. Uh, later uh, in, in, in the bowels of the stadium, I had this uncomfortable, awkward moment. And I wrote about it a little bit in a blog at the end of last year uh, where I, I found myself looking at Tom Brady and, and Vince Wilfork, who looked like they were in deep contemplation about where they were and where they were headed as team leaders. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think back to the circumstances about that game and, and just getting on that plane and thinking to myself in, in the darkness, we're traveling back in the wee small hours. It's uh, just silent, right? There, there's no it's noise. It's silent at start. And when I traveled with the Naval Academy, Andrew, my, my broadcast partner, Omar Nelson, has got a great sense of humor. He and I used to joke about, and we were always disappointed if they lost, but we, we'd have this joke that when, when they did lose, by the time you got to the airport on the team bus to board the charter, you, you, you got past it a little bit. And you started to lighten up a little bit and have a you know, funny conversation, tell some jokes and so forth. But then Omar would always say, okay, it's time to get our sad faces on. We're going to be sad. We're going to act like we're sad when we get on the airplane. Uh, you, don't, you didn't have to act like you were sad and disappointed <laughs> getting on the airplane, coming back from Kansas City that night after the Monday night game. And again, part of my thinking is, you know, where's the season headed? Where's this team headed? You know, is, is the window truly closing as I've been hearing all week on my flagship station, my employer yeah. station, uh, 985 the Sports Hub? Boy, it's going to be an awful Friday coming up on Felger and Maz when I go back on the air with those guys. And so all those thoughts were running through my head, and I can only imagine what was going on in the minds of the various players, including the aforementioned Wilfork and Brady. Uh, so that trip back from Kansas City, for me personally, is probably the most memorable uh, after a loss. All right. That's totally understandable. And like I said, I kind of had an inkling there. Oh, Kansas City was the greatest. Well, we all know what happened there. 41-14, I think it was Monday Night Football. And yeah, new, new on the job. God, I, I can't imagine, like, if you just looked down at your seat for the entirety of the ride back, so as not to cross eyes with anyone else or even give yourself the opportunity to do the wrong thing, um, I would understand because, yeah, that night for that team really sucked. Um, all right, one one more note and then one mailbag question. We'll get you out of here. Gino Capaletti, uh, unfortunately passed age 89. Um, he was Zoe's predecessor as radio analyst and Patriots broadcast with the team for 51 years in different capacities. Uh, we talked before we started recording just about the time that you got to spend briefly with him and how you got to know him. So 30, 60 seconds just on Gino and and what you knew of him and your connection with him. Well, I think the thing that stands out to me about Gino, in the brief time that I was around him, the few times that I was in his presence, but as much based on the stories that I heard from the people who knew him well and were very closely with him, including Zoe and our producer, Mark Capello, and the other guys on the radio crews, that he is someone who emoted 
grace and kindness, the way he carried himself. He was such a gentleman, so humble. And he was a true legend. Uh, you know, this is a gentleman who spent 50 plus years with the organization, an original Patriot, Mr. Patriot, arguably, I think, a pro football Hall of Famer, the all-time leading scorer in the AFL, someone who was a two-way player, is a great kicker, but also a very good wide receiver, and then an assistant coach and a broadcaster. And I've heard stories through the years where, for example, Pete Carroll would on the airplane, go back and sit next to Gino. There's such respect for Gino for everybody in the organization. And he and Gil, to me, uh, hitting home especially, they were the perfect radio couple. I don't know that there's been a better radio team in a football broadcast booth than Gil and Gino. And Gino described it as a simpatico, and they had it. And I think for, for Zoe and I, it was so important for us to carve our own niche following them but I've always been mindful of the legacy that we inherit in that broadcast booth. And it's not only because of the way they sounded, but the way they interacted. And as I said, the way Gino in particular carried himself. Uh, when he showed up at the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies wearing that red Hall of Fame coat, so fit and trim, even in his advanced years. I mean, there was kind of a regal quality. Yeah. about him. He had such a down-to-earth guy. His wife, Sandy, came into the booth periodically. The last time I, I saw anyone from the Capoletti family was several years ago. I believe Sandy came in with some of the grandchildren and, and paid a visit to say hello to Mark because Mark Capello remained close to the Capoletti family. He was the longtime producer uh, with Gil and Gino and, of course, has worked with Scott and myself over the course of the last nine years. Uh, but just immense respect for the kind of person he was. And as I said on Twitter, you know, again, in the limited time that I was around him, but more so from what I heard about him, one of those rare figures in sports is even better off the field than on the field. That you know, his greatest qualities, his greatness, exceeds you know what he did as a legendary figure. He's a Hall of Fame player for the Patriots, and again, I believe he's a guy that deserves great consideration for the Hall of Fame in Canton. Yeah, and you hear that so often, right? You know, oh, he's, he's a great player, but he's an even better person. It's the easiest throwaway line in a congratulations speech, retirement speech, whatever it might be, a guy gets injured. You hear that. But as far as I know and covering the team, just that word greatness, but also grace. And I think that's a defining quality for Gino, who will obviously be missed. I remember listening to him and Gil uh, as a kid who grew up in New England. And like you said, it was just a perfect pairing, even just down to like the, the – the sound and the tone of their voices, you know, just such a baritone from Gil and Gino was a, a little higher in the analyst. And that's not something that's important necessarily to a good broadcast, but it was just, they complemented each other so well and had a similar, I think, outlook on the game and the way they called it, where there was, you know, a respect for the objectivity of how it was, whether it was a good call or a bad call, but also, you know, looking at it through a Patriots lens, understanding that the fans were their audience and they wanted it, everything to be relayed for them as fans would want to hear it. Um, I love, yeah, and I love how they would introduce one another at the start of the, the broadcast, where they would go through the yeah. full, Gil would deliver Gino's full name and yeah, really yes, yes. emphasize and accentuate his middle name and, and, and every <laughs> syllable, every vowel yeah. of his, his last name. And, and just very quickly, Gil has, of course, the classic football voice, and, and he is the eternal voice of the Patriots. And of course, the Vinatieri call to win Super Bowl 36 is among, if not his most famous call as the Patriots broadcaster and Gino says very little during that call, but his reaction, you hear the joy in his voice, kind of the, the, the reaction the, the, that he had. And, and, and you can hear the smile as Gil is calling the, the, the kick to win the Super Bowl. as someone who's a lifelong Patriot and had been with the organization from, from the infancy 
through the leanest of times and now in that ultimate moment of joy, that first Super Bowl win, you know, climatic, uh, you know, the climax of it being on the very last play of the game, the very last snap in the game winning field goal. Yeah, it's a trip going down memory lane. And I remember that happened with John Madden passing. And you go back and watch Super Bowl 36, which is remembered for him saying, okay, you got to kneel off the clock at the end of relation, at regulation. But you hear John and, and Pat Summerall, same way, same simpatico kind of relationship. All right, one mailbag question. This is it. Uh, ton of schedule talk. Uh, Jay Hamilton on Twitter wants to know do's and don'ts for travel, which we've talked about your travel. So I'll take the lead here just in terms of going to cities. Honestly, it's, I mean, first of all, get pre-check. I, I was way too slow to getting pre-check. Game changer, you can be in and out two seconds with security. Uh, second of all, stay close to the stadium or the airport. You don't want to have long trips going back either way. Um, and a good hotel bar never hurts. I think that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would concur with every every piece of advice that you gave. I'd also see if you could invest in uh, – or you know, find a hot towel because we didn't get to this. But like the best Ooh. part of best part of team travel, Andrew, the hot towel they give you at the end at the end of the trip. Um, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Uh, that is the only piece of inside uh, information that I can give you about traveling on a charter flight. And again, I've had the experience of doing it at the college level and at the NFL level. Uh, so you know, you want to get a, get a get a washcloth, put it under the hot water for some time. When you when you when you, you get your hotel room, and because you, you, the, the 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 flight attendants, I was going to ask you. I, I don't remember what flight. It certainly wasn't again Delta Row Twenty CD for me. But there was some flight recently where I was given a hot towel, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I think I <laughs> do you. I genuinely asking here. Do you put it on the back of your neck? Is it on your face? Like you're on the plane. Here comes this kind of moist small towel, and this is a this yeah. is a gift. This is a nice thing. What what do I what do I do with that? So you do all the above, Andrew, and and, and you know, okay. and, you know and, and, and that's as far as you go. You, you you put it on your face, you give yourself, you know, especially if you've been on like a, a longer flight, and maybe it was hot getting off the bus and getting onto the plane, or you're on the tarmac for a little while. Like let's say you're coming back from from Vegas, you know, and, 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 and it's you're going to need more than a hot towel. Yeah, you're need more than a hot towel, but it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to need. Like, and we're going to be doing that twice now. Yeah, you're probably going to need a Bloody Mary on the on the way back after the game. Uh, yeah. But uh, you, you definitely need, you know, you got to you got to refresh, you got to revive. So take that hot towel, wipe your face, uh, wipe the back of your neck, okay. uh, you know, get your hands. Uh, yeah, and, and and then of course you know when you hand it to the to the flight attendant, you know, make sure that you know that he or she does not have to uh, handle it themselves. You can just put it on the tray. So, but but you you take full advantage of that hot towel and, until the warmth is, is gone. I mean, I know that sounds. There's a lot of different ways you can go with that, uh, but uh, to me, like that that is the the most. Uh, uh, overlooked part of the experience of traveling uh, on a charter flight. Again, I've done it at the college level and now the NFL level. So I, I will share that piece of inside information. Well, look, we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll leave it to the imagination. And I just got to say, Bob, you and hot towels and airplanes are forever kind of melded in my memory and association uh, among many other great things, which someone I could talk about a schedule with for over an hour, open up about the team plane and what that's like as much as you can uh, and, and just tell stories. So Bob, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I might even text you after this about <laughs> could a cold towel be better, particularly coming back from Vegas or the desert. But again, we have time to figure out. These games are in December in Arizona and in, uh, in Vegas. And it's just been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. 